0: Welcome to the Modernizer Dive Podcast, CFML News Edition, where we keep you up to date with everything going on in the ColdFusion community. We'll share the latest news on events, releases to engines, frameworks, libraries, and tools, as well as spotlighting quality content from the community. Welcome to the Modernizer Dive Podcast, CFML News Edition, it's July 7th, 2020. We've made it halfway through the crazy 2020.
1: Oh, thank goodness. Yeah,
0: only (laughs) another half to go. (laughs) Well, uh, I'm Gavin Pickin, Software Consultant for Auto Solutions, and my guest host, well, I guess you're not really a guest, but the other host today is Eric Peterson.
1: Hey, thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, always a pleasure. We get to mix it up a little bit here and there, Um, but yeah, so let's get straight into it. We want to first thank our sponsors, Order Solutions, who are our employers, but also uh, they they basically fund this podcast. So if you were looking for live training from your favorite box product, uh, Order Solutions has you covered. This month, we already have two live workshops scheduled. So this week, I'm gonna be leading the cold box Zero to Hero on July 9th and 10th. So there's a couple of spots left. Sign up if you uh, if you want to do that Thursday and Friday. And then uh, in a couple of weeks time, Luis Mahano, the Box creator himself, will be teaching the ColdBox Hero to Superhero API edition, July 23rd and 24th. And also, if subscriptions are now available, right, Eric?
1: That's right. It launched last week. So you can go ahead and grab a subscription. And uh, so far, there's a the ColdBox Masterclass being put up over time right now that you can get a hold of uh, yep, with so- more in the pipeline.
0: Yep. So we're working hard to, to get that masterclass uh, rolled out. We wanted to give you guys content now. So we're working hard to get the rest of it out there. You can see the description up there uh, and it has a lot of uh, good content coming, but there's a lot of great stuff there too. Um, also, we want to thank our Patreon supporters because without them, uh, Audus would be footing the whole bill. But with uh, our Patreon support, uh, they're basically covering almost half of this podcast production costs. So we're really thankful for that. So thank you to all our Patreon supporters. And if you're looking to, to support Audus and the podcast, please go to patreon.com slash and find a package that should suit you. So they a start from as little as $10 a month. And uh, the higher you go, the more perks you get. Um, and there's even a few where I, I think we you know, raffle off firstborn children or something. There's some pretty big packages there. <laughs>
1: Just call us Rumpelstiltskin.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, Brad and Erica coming up with some names for what the workshop after the superhero one will be. So uh, superhero to demigod, something like that. So maybe we'll Superhero to
1: the Ortis employee.
0: Yeah. <laughs> 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 well, that's true. That's how a lot of us got here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's how I started years and years ago, boot camp, three-day boot camp. Uh, but, yeah. So, okay. Well, that's enough uh, thanking sponsors. Let's get into some news. So, uh, the first, probably the biggest news event of the last week is uh, another birthday. So,
1: yes, it was Cold Fusion's birthday.
0: Yep. Cold Fusion turned 25 on July 2nd. So, in 1995, uh, a little company called Allaire launched Cold Fusion. And it's uh as Brad put it in his tweet, it's still kicking butt and taking names. <laughs> but uh yeah, we're all proud to be part of CS Legacy and uh many years forward basically. Uh there's a lot a lot still coming. I mean Lucy's going strong with uh with Lucy Six being announced um and it's coming out soon and then twenty twenty from Adobe is coming out mm-hmm. uh later this year as well, if everything goes planned. So uh you know a lot of good things coming, so twenty five years. Uh, some of us have been doing it for a long time, but Eric's only been doing it for a few years. He's just jumped the queue, basically. So what yeah, is it now? I got seven? it. I
1: got it on on Cold Fusion ten. Was the first one I ever touched. going to Make everybody like laugh and say <laughs> what an easy time I had. Yeah, and that's and true. Yeah.
0: Ha. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, there was a, a blog post we released, but I think it's pretty big news. So last week you wrote a good blog post about CF casts. Tech stack, because I know a lot of people ask orders like, "How do you build a modern app? What do you use? How do you do it?" And everyone always asks when we release a commercial product. So this is a a really great article uh, about how you built it with the team and what's in it. So you want to tell us a little more about it?
1: Yeah. So just like you said, uh, we have a lot of different frameworks and modules and ways to build things up. And so I gave a kind of a I would guess it's not a tell-all, but a sneak peek into how we built CF casts. Um, so there's some code samples there. It talks about all the different modules and how they tie together. Um, it is a app built on Coldbox, on Quick for the database uh, layer. It uses an Inertia.js and Vue.js on the front end, which is an awesome way to uh, have kind of a, the more responsive front end uh, single-page application without writing an API. In fact, you can go check out a video about it for free on CFcasts casts. Um, and Tailwind CSS, which is my current CSS love. It's the best. So we go into all of, uh, those. There's a million links in it, taking you to everything that we use, all the modules on Forgebox, and how it all ties together.
0: Yeah, that's really cool to see that working in the yeah the video as you mentioned on cf cast as well for free so very cool so yeah definitely check that out I mean I've obviously been working with Ordis for a long time, but it's still interesting for me to see how each project is built and that one is using some new stuff so I really enjoyed that so
1: yeah I think this is Ordis's first um inertia app so we we gave we released the inertial um, cB inertia module and gave the presentation on it but this is kind of the the flagship app for that. So if you're curious how it uh, works, uh, kind of works and feels, um, just click around CF Cast. That is inertia. You can see how fast it is. And um, it's uh, all CFML routing, all CFML handlers. There's none of the uh, traditional uh, weight that a single page app kind of carries with it.
0: Yeah, for sure very cool okay and now after those good positive notes we're gonna have a slightly negative one here so russ michaels who's been running cfmldeveloper.com for over 20 years now is uh, shutting down the service so i best know russ michaels through his work with i think it was cf alive so cf alive was basically um something like cf fiddle that adobe released but basically you had like a little online cold fusion um text um text box type in some code you could run it and choose your engine i think it ran lucy but i think he had a a, maybe an adobe version too Uh, and so that for the longest time that was how i ran my you know ad hoc code before the command box ripple even so um that was a great great service there but reading his blog posts saying why he's shutting it down and, and everything uh, I didn't even realize that the com was basically a way for, you know, freelance developers or small companies to have a dev or staging hosting. And so it was a free service that he that he set up to help developers, you know, basically have some places to, to post their code for show clients. So that was, sounds like an amazing service. I'm, I'm surprised I didn't know more about it, but... Uh, you know like I say you see if alive a lot but didn't really know about that but it's you know sad uh, everyone's starting to get you know maybe more command box stuff docker using ng-grop to tunnel their way into their own machines they don't need the Evan staging service quite so much and uh, you know the prices have come down so you know uh, it would have been would have been a nice service but yeah it just doesn't have the some of the people signing up like you used to and understandable i guess but but, yeah, in yeah. the chat, Dan Calza asked, you know, saying he didn't know that he would have students who would have used them more. So, yeah, kind of sad that uh, a good service that nobody, well, not nobody, but several people didn't know about. Um, but, yeah, he's done a lot of work for the, the community. So, thank you, Russ.
1: Yeah. I like he gave a shout out to uh, Hostek in there. That was the company that had been sponsoring the um, the hosting. And if awesome. you do need Cold or Lucy hosting, he's got a link in there. Um, I know I've used HostTech before. There, yep. uh, they're great. So
0: yeah, they're, yeah, they're great for small well. sites and everything. Obviously, um, you know they're they're shared hosting for a lot of the the cheaper packages and everything. So that's just something to be aware of. But for a lot of things where it's just a random blog or something, not business critical, it works great. And you know I know a lot of sites that are business critical they run there. And they, you know, they work great a lot of the time too. But just if someone gets a BC site and takes all the traffic, you know, or gets a DDoS or something, it could be struggling. But uh, right. they have bigger packages too and they're great support. And they got great swag too at the conferences. So always going to check <laughs> the space <Right. Facebook> out. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, something else I didn't know this week. Uh, did you know that ColdFusion standards standards available free for use in education? I did not. <laughs> So uh, Charlie posted this on the Coldfusion. portal, but um, you know, like he says, most of us knew that this being free for development use or whatever. But apparently, education students, teachers, staff can obtain standard CF licenses, and they can use it for learning. So they don't, they can't use it in production for those licenses. But still, you know, you could development servers, shared class servers, um, you know, staging servers. You know, all that type of stuff and all for free. So there's a, it's part of the FAQ and the, the blog post here that Charlie wrote. It's a great one. Gives you a lot more detail. And then obviously links to all the places where you got that information. So that was definitely news to me and pretty cool too, considering how many people complain that Adobe doesn't give enough free, you know, Cold Fusion things.
1: Right. Right. So, oh, well, it's a good, I think it's a good move. You know, I think I remember my college days and having basically every free Microsoft anything uh, trying to get me to use it after I graduated. So <laughs> it's a good move by ColdFusion. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's why a lot of the stuff we did was yeah. Microsoft visual studio, you know, VB and everything. And then PHP when the web got big, everybody went to PHP cause it was free and easily accessible. So, right. and I just said, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, it looks like Charlie's been busy with uh, scheduling a couple more Cold Fusion meetups as well. So we've got a couple coming up here.
1: Yeah, this uh this Thursday, July ninth at twelve PM Eastern, we have your best options to build modern front ends of JavaScript with Dan Wilson. Yep. So it sounds like he's gonna be going through some of the more popular choices React, Angular, View, and uh about why you would choose each one of them.
0: Yeah, I like how he emphasizes a lot of it comes down to not only your circumstances but your philosophy too so Mm -hmm. and and that's why i've you know i think it fits so well for a lot of cold fusion developers to to go to view because it's much like cfml tags you know like very similar to html you just add a couple things in and you get your view you know functionality but some people like writing uh you know html inside of javascript inside of html inside of javascript but i don't (laughs) But, it seems sure.
1: like with all of these, it depends on which one you started with.
0: Exactly. <laughs> yep.
1: If you exactly. started with Angular JS, you know the original one, you're probably using Vue now because it's kind of the same. Yep. And maybe you went kept going with Angular, or you started with React and you're on that, and or you're button uh, well, Amber... for punishment and you've tried everything.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think Ember was very similar to React. It was more you know, script-based.
1: Uh, em- Ember's been around longer than all of those, but mm-hmm. it, it's kind of the, the dark horse, you know?
0: Yeah, well, I remember Ascensure, too. Essentia was very similar to that as well, you know? So there's there's definitely, yeah, you know, the history of them, and you, you sort of evolve over time, and some of them just more than others, but, yep. Yeah. And then we but, have another one, too, by TJ Van Toll. Uh, that's next week, July 16th. He's going to be talking about how native mobile development changed the way he writes web apps. So I think this is an interesting one, you know, sort of a lessons learned, you know, and yeah, I mean, you working on iOS and Android applications and actually learning something from it and coming back and yeah, just change the way you, you think about web stuff.
1: Now, I, I've heard TJ talk before. I believe he works for NativeScript. So you're going to learn a little bit about what NativeScript is. It's kind of a, a React Native. Uh, Cordova, those kind of things. I think it's more on the side of compiling the native, though. Um, mm-hmm. um, so I think that's what he's going to be going in there. So that that could be really interesting. That's yeah. uh, Thursday, July 16th. So a week from Thursday.
0: Yep. And then the next week, we have another um, meetup, or basically a Adobe webinar this time. By uh, Kailash Balani, Balhani, sorry, and he's been talking about understanding the what, when, and how the API Manager architecture and its various components, and so uh, a deep dive into the API Manager uh, and and figure out, you know, basically the how that works, and you know, looking at components including data store, server, and Elasticsearch. So, I guess it makes sense, but I never knew that it had the Elasticsearch component in there too. So
1: I did not either.
0: So, interesting. And then the week after, Adobe has another webinar uh, with Nimit Sharma, and that's going to be July 30th, and that'll be a bird's-eye view of PMT, which is the – now my brain's gone. That's the – Performance monitoring tools. Yeah. Performance monitoring tools. So, bird's-eye view of the the architecture and how to harness its true potential. So, that was pretty interesting because I know that 2018 had – um the pmt so i wonder if there's going to be any major upgrades in 2020 i'm on the pre-release but i can't discuss it but i'm just sort of curious you know a lot of times when they release these products you know we always wonder how much are they going to work on them update them and tweak them and i know previously we've mentioned they have done some updates to the pmt since it was released but i'm kind of curious so this will give us a bird's eye view and really dive into how that works and yeah so i'm looking forward to both of these because i don't know too much about either of them Um Otis works of projects from Adobe and Lucy product products. And a lot of times I'm on the Lucy one, so I don't get to dive into the new Adobe stuff as much as I would like. So right. I might have to get my skills up here.
1: It's neat that, uh, for the next four Thursdays, there's a webinar that we can attend.
0: Yep, there is. And so. we have, uh, an Otis one coming up, but we're still trying to decide what to do it on. So we'll have one there. We'll announce that next week, hopefully. So, Uh, we'll have to draw straws and see who's next so I know it won't (laughs) be Luis because he's doing a training so um probably won't be him but
1: yeah if you have something that you'd like to hear us present on go ahead and drop us a line on the website or on twitter and we'll uh put it in the running
0: yep and then that same applies to cf cast too we didn't mention that earlier but um, we're looking for content ideas we got a schedule we're trying to build up for what to you know what recordings we should make, but if you have any uh, preferences, we can try and move them to the top of the list. So,
1: yeah, there's a a page on cfcasts cfcasts.com/support. You can drop us a line in there and tell us what you'd like to see. Um, we probably have it on the list already, but it will help us know what we should be focusing on first.
0: Yep, exactly. And just a quick reminder here for the state of the CF Union. Um, basically that's a, a great survey. It's been running since January. Uh, they did a partial update, I believe in April. So about three months in, and we had 484 respondents at that point. Uh, I just, uh, sent a message over to Michaela Terate asking when it will end and when will the partial updates be or partial results be updated too. So hopefully we'll have information next week on, on that. Cause that we get that question a lot. But yeah, if we had 484 respondents in the first few months, uh, hopefully another three months have passed. We might have a, another chunk. Maybe we get close to that thousand. So, tiertech.com, uh, You can take the survey there, and you can see the partial results as well. And vote for our podcast. We want some, uh, you know, we want some love too. <laughs> cool. Well, moving on. We next have conferences. So. Tangential to the Into the Box conference are all the workshops that we had to spread out due to availability. So this week, I'm teaching the call box Hero to zero, zero uh, Zero to Hero. Got to make sure I go the right <laughs> way there. I'm not going to make you dumber, honest. Hopefully. Uh, but so July 9th and 10th, and it starts at uh, 9 a.m. Central, so 7 a.m. Pacific, and then goes till uh, 2 p.m. Pacific or 4 p.m. Central. Uh, Two day workshop. Uh, we do give you time for lunch and, you know, and all that stuff as well. But two day workshop, we're going to cover a lot of great stuff. And then two weeks later, Luis is going to be talking about Callbox Hero to Superhero API Edition. But, yeah, a lot of great content. Erica did a big part of writing the Callbox Zero to Hero, so you know it well. We've both taught it several times. So
1: Yeah, I was going to say you are the, the expert on this, the veteran. This is probably your, like, I don't know, seventh or eighth time through this workshop know.
0: it might be but yeah the last couple had to fly solo because at the conferences usually eric and i will spin off take turns and one person will leave and the other one will help people and vice versa so it's kind of strange to do the whole thing by myself but it's okay we're doing well we're, we're picking up stuff and this week we're even gonna uh, make a pull request to see if migrations to update some of the the documentation someone was mentioning something about documentation wasn't right so i might even teach them how to make a pull request and then they'll learn that too so but yeah so two great workshops this month um again a couple spots left in mind this week uh sign up as soon as you hear this uh, you can find out more information on autosolutions.com slash events and i would love to see you there okay uh oh should better tell you podcast 10 is the coupon code to get 10% off. And if you're an ITB attendee, you can save 15% uh, if you got the, the code. If not, contact us and we can get you a code to, to save some money on that. So definitely don't miss it out.
1: Well, there was one announcement this week that a lot of people have been waiting for. Last year at CF Summit, they brought back the Adobe Cold Fusion certification and it is now available online.
0: Yep, since uh, CF Summit East couldn't go ahead and the the training was scrapped because of that, uh, and the West one now has been um, going online as well, they they had to move it all online. So the registration is now open. You can find out more about it on the adobe.com slash product slash coldfusion dash family slash certificate dot html. We'll post the link for convenience. <laughs> i
1: sure you all got that, and you're all ready. <laughs> yeah.
0: Kiwi talk with an accent really fast, but yeah, so... <laughs> Uh, yeah, they've had a lot of uh, you know a lot of success, a lot of requests for this, and so now it's online. Uh, I think it's really going to blow up. So I know they had about a hundred people passed at CF Summit last year. You know they had a pretty high um, pass rate, um, and I actually TA'd. Uh, me and Brad helped TA Nolan's session, and it was it was really good to see the content. And you know every time I look at something like this, I always learn something. So it was pretty neat. So definitely recommend it. They've got lots of great video content and then the interactive multi-choice test at the end. Okay, and then, so next we did quickly mention that CF Summit West uh, is actually gonna be online now. So the date is tentatively in November. Uh, If you go to cfsummit.adobeevents.com, you'll see the site, you can register. It's a free registration, um, but no official blog post or announcement has been made. so at this point, um, just sign up and I guess we'll find out when we find out. Um, I haven't heard anything about speaker or anything yet, so I'm not sure if it's one day, two days, you know, we're going to have five tracks at once like they usually do when they're in person or not. So we don't know too much about it, but, uh, put, you know, put on your calendar November free conference from Adobe. So see if camp, no news. So, uh, we'll just keep waiting there. Okay, so let's get into the blog, tweets, and videos of the week. You want to tell us about the first one?
1: Yeah, we covered it a little bit before about uh, Charlie's blog post about ColdFusion Standard available for free use in education.
0: Yep. And then next we have a blog from Ben Um So this one's talking about CF Document and how it intelligently re- reuses repeated image objects in uh, Lucy. So I thought this one was pretty neat. Uh, I like the fact too, that a lot of them, um, you know, he, he includes videos or images to really help, uh, make some sense of it, but, um, mm-hmm. it was pretty, pretty good to read through. Um, the good thing is, is yeah, he did some tests with local URLs as well as, uh, external URLs. But basically when he had a repeating image with the exact same image path, um, he realized that it wasn't including each one in the PDF. So if you had the, you know, it was 95 K or something with this PDF here. And then when he added it multiple times, it only went up by a five kilobytes more. So 10 images, uh, with 10 pages. So a lot more images and only really was a, a small change in the the size. So that shows that it's being smart. And if you had, you know, multiple images, then obviously it just, uh, does that. But it was only about 40% larger uh, where there was, you know, with multiple uh, images and and that. So pretty neat. Um, Yeah, it was one of those things you'd you'd hope it did, but you didn't really, you know, didn't really think about it because PDFs obviously encapsulate everything. So space is an issue.
1: Right. Like you said, glad it does that. I would expect that and hope that. And that's the perfect Ben blog post is Showing that something you hope is working is working or maybe not working. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yep. Now we have a typical Terror tech blog post here about Cold Fusion community guidelines. And so this one talks about, you know, the things that are happening and Swansea Jack is the name of Lucy6. I forgot the code name for that. But talking about all the good things happening in Cold Fusion and saying that it's not dead. And, you know, we should really be learning through the community. Uh, and then so they basically put together some community guidelines and so just one of those things you should probably read through it uh you know and just one of those nice more softer topics but yeah just you know be nice to develop you know fellow developers you know give them more help than you know you ask for just you know just trying to make the whole community a better place so nice fuzzy one to to read there so but yeah definitely need to have a strong community
1: uh, the next blog was one that uh, was interesting to me uh, from Ben Nadal about cold fusion components versus cold fusion closures performance exploration.
0: Yes, and this um, is the one of the video, and I listened to it the whole way through because I found it very interesting.
1: <laughs> so, the, one of the reasons I found this interesting, we mentioned at the top of the show, like I came in cold fusion ten, right? Didn't have any of the background, and so the to read. Like, that creating CFCs was expensive. Like, I I had never heard that or seen that. That was interesting. And it made me wonder, uh, Gavin, being around a little bit more, is that kind of why, like, Framework 1 is all one file? Was this idea that if I create multiple components, it's slow?
0: No, I mean, Framework 1 was originally started to be simple. You know, they just wanted to just throw one file in and then everything would work. You know, you don't need to copy hundreds of files and whatever, and like Coldbox was big and confusing. So the whole idea with framework one was, you know, one file and it started off small, but you know, it grew and just add a little bit here, add a little bit there. And so, you know, it kind of grew into this God object, just like blog CFC, it was a simple little CFC, and then it kept growing and growing. So it was some crazy God object. But I mean, there, that's the reason originally it was just simplicity, you know, and people, ColdFusion developers don't usually like frameworks very much. so. Keeping it simple, easy to understand, one file. Uh, I think that was more the mm-hmm. reason, not necessarily okay. the CFC, but it's. I mean, it's possible, but it was. It's, it came out the same time as um, ColdBox three did, so that's when the Sean Corfield created Framework one. So ColdBox three, um, I don't remember exactly when that was, but it's probably around the CF ten uh, timeline, you know. So yeah, so maybe it wasn't. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah, sorry for the tangent. So, yeah, yeah. Ben's post talked about, uh, gave an example of a builder pattern, one using closures, one using um, fusion components, and gave some timing on it. Um, and it just, they're fast. They're both fast. You don't need to worry about it.
0: <laughs> yep. And then uh, he did have some results here. His two takeaways was, uh Instantiating CFCs in Lucy is very fast. 100,000 instances in two seconds. Much better than I thought it would be. So it shows that how outdated his mental model is, you know, for that. And the other thing was closures is even faster. So as you can see in the numbers, closures to, to implement the same API uh, was consistently faster, sometimes as much as 35% faster. But as you said, they're both fast they are both very fast and if you're making 100,000 instances of something you know it's usually a very you should have a good reason for it and then it might be worth waiting a second or two for that to happen so
1: but like you said at the, the top of this when you started running the numbers you know like these kind of performance tests are interesting but not really indicative of your real world performance and also always measure before you change things you know you might be in a situation where um the closure that you're creating is I, I've seen this in a couple of engines holding on to the scope and creating kind of a memory leak situation mm-hmm. you and that might not be faster. That might be a problem. So definitely measure and then change <laughs> instead of just using this blog post to say, I have to use closures for everything.
0: Yep. Now, one of the things too, uh, a couple of weeks back, I think we mentioned that there was a Lucy bug that somebody found where creating new ColdFusion objects for one of our clients. I think it was last week. Me and Brad talked about it. For one of our clients, we were creating a lot of uh, a lot of ColdFusion instances through Java, and so the Java proxy. If you create a new Java proxy every time, it was dramatically slowing things down.
1: Yeah, it had to do with Lucy 5 and creating Java objects that were located in OSGI bundles. Yep. Um, it seems to be looking up that every time. Yeah, so slow lookups. Look
0: and so yeah. that was a huge uh, performance issue. But Brad talked about how he used he just created the ColdFusion proxy and for the Java. And then once he had that, then it was very quick. So it was the proxy creation that seemed to take the time. And so once he'd taken care of that, it was a lot quicker. So yeah, it I can be side effects.
1: Yeah, I think specifically it's the, it was the lookup that was taking time. And because he's caching the proxy object, you aren't doing the lookup every time. Yeah. Um, so. I'd assume uh, if we dove in that creating the object is fast, but the lookup was the expensive part.
0: Yeah, exactly. So yeah. Just wanted to make a side note for that for everyone who said, wait a minute, last week you guys said it was slow. <laughs> There's a difference. There's a reason. Uh,
1: it was specifically Java objects with o- inside OSGI bundles. Yep. So.
0: Cool, cool. So next we got a tweet from James Moberg.
1: Yeah, this one's about uh, emojis. Emojis yep. cause problems. Yeah, exactly. Um, they're amazing, <laughs> but like, uh, I, I guess... If you haven't ever, like, I will need to find the talk and throw it in the show notes. But there's a talk about Unicode and how insane it actually is to support all the different texts. And uh, this tweet from James talks about how Encode for HTML does not do well with emojis and his work around using the uh, Emoji Java library and the CF Emoji Java wrapper to. Yeah. Switch out the emoji for like a placeholder, kind of like you see on GitHub or Slack, the, the colon syntax, and then have it encode it back into something that the browser will show as an emoji.
0: Cool. Very sneaky. I know of all the things we like having emojis, but um, yeah, getting all the database and the drivers and everything to play well, that can be trouble. So I saw that I'm like, well, we definitely need to talk about this with our <laughs> emoji history. Cool. Uh, next we just uh, reiterate about the blog post about cfcast tech stack revealed so we can skip that one since we talked about it earlier and then this one is not cold fusion but it's JavaScript and I thought it was pretty interesting too I do not have a well I have a pretty good understanding of JavaScript but not the edge cases and this double bang operator is uh, definitely an edge case for me (laughs) Yeah,
1: this one actually does apply pretty well to Cold Fusion, with the caveat that what is truthy and falsy might be a bit different. Um, but Ben goes in. Ben Nadal wrote this one. The double bang operator is kind of a bit of a n- misnomer. Um, the bang or exclamation point negates something, right? It means not, and so double bang just does not not. And usually people use it to explicitly make something a boolean. Right? So, if you have an empty array and you put uh, the double bang in front, it will become false. Right? Because an empty array is falsy and it makes it uh, false, the boolean. And uh, Ben just goes into how, in most cases where he sees it, that's extra work. Because JavaScript and CFML will handle truthy and falsy values. You don't have to explicitly cast them. And so, just pass in the value unless you need it to be explicit boolean.
0: Yeah and so he he basically went through the envision app code and and looked for all the use cases and he found the unnecessary ones and sort of explained why which is really neat. Like I said this is the type of thing that I need for, you know, just getting up to speed and I've seen the double bang before but it was one of those things that I'd seen it and never really thought too much about it and what it did. So interesting. I like the yeah, little I- hacks people use though.
1: I thought it was interesting, and it's it's good to know how the system's working. I definitely have been guilty of using like an unnecessary double bang, mostly for my like readability. Sometimes when I'm doing an if check on like an, a a variable, I know is like an array, my brain just doesn't parse that right. <laughs> yep. so, yeah, so but it, it it's good good to know, and again, this applies very well to Cold as well as JavaScript.
0: Cool. And so, yeah, so he, double bang operator and ternary expressions uh, an array filtering, react uh, CX and class names, you know, AngularJS director. So he's got gives quite a few examples. Uh, it's pretty interesting. And then Brad in the chat was actually saying that he uses the double bang and CF config. Because he needs explicit Booleans in the WDDX files that ACF uses. So ACF uses WDDX for all its configuration settings. Uh, and, you know, Lucy uses XML and everything, but uh, WDDX requires explicit Boolean. so that works pretty good. So interesting. Thanks again, Ben.
1: Uh, speaking of Ben, he's, we got another one from him. About using CF Document to save InVision prototypes as interactive PDFs. Um, I thought cool. this was, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, PDFs are, are are and ColdFusion support of it is probably a reason why a lot of people used ColdFusion. I know the, the first time I encountered it, that was a big part that we could create these documents, um, you know, with the CF Document tag. Yeah. And uh, this was a use case I hadn't seen before where Ben is adding in links to other cold, uh, sorry, other PDF pages mm-hmm. inside the document.
0: Yeah. Pretty sneaky. Definitely like that. So um,
1: there's a, there's a wonderful video of it that you can watch going through. And I think there was a gif at the end, right?
0: Yeah. I, just... I do
1: love me a good gif. Yep. Where yeah. he's clicking around like a, like a wizard view.
0: Yep. So the yep. PDF itself jumps pages. It's pretty neat. Yeah, It's
1: pretty cool. So.
0: Yep, and as Ben would say, is it cool chickens?
1: <laughs> yeah, oh, I, I, something chickens. Yeah, yeah. Oh, holy no.
0: chickens are cool. For some Somebody, reason I thought it was cool. Someone chickens. in the chat help us. Yeah. I know I heard it before cuz I watched the video, but uh yeah. Uh, it was definitely pretty interesting, so um yeah, nice to see. And then uh James Moberg um Wrote a blog post last week. We talked about the the horror of is date in Cold Fusion and Lucy, and so he tried to respond to that blog. But uh, as most good uh, comment tools do, they think everything is spam, uh, <laughs> so he couldn't. Uh, yeah, so he couldn't do that. Um, so he responded basically with a blog post on his own blog site. Um,
1: yeah, and I I love the uh, the takeaway. It was you you can use is date is validate, and parse it as a date. Um, it made me think about uh, email validation. I don't know if you've ever seen those regex.
0: Oh, and they're all like, wrong. Like this
1: huge one. Well, and they're trying to do everything. And at the end of the day, because emails are insane, right? Emails are just as bad as like Unicode in some ways. The only way to know if you have a valid email is to try to send an email.
0: <laughs> yeah, and that's <laughs> and I, actually what Mailgun does when you're using their validation. They, they actually send an email. So. Huh.
1: There you go. Yeah. See, and I like, I thought of that with, I saw this parse date time. The only way to know if you have a date is try to parse it as a date.
0: So. Yeah. But it was pretty interesting. He, he also says that a year ago, that twelve thirty one, twenty nine two two seven eight nine nine three was considered valid. <laughs> so there's a couple of uh, bug tracker tickets there too, which is pretty interesting. But,
1: <laughs> Wait, a year ago it was considered valid, but now it's not? Is well, that- they
0: might have had an update. Instance. I mean, Maybe one day that, that will be
1: a valid date, right? If the world goes on that long?
0: Um Probably <laughs> not. Um, <laughs> considering, actually, I found another bait, bug with dates. You can't get past 2050. If you try and create a date in 2051 or further up, it assumes you mean 1951. Even though you put 2051 in it, it'll still convert it back to
1: 1951.
0: Oh, yikes. So, you know, we do the thing where it adds so many years to it for, like, I don't want this to expire anytime soon. Uh Um, yeah and it was showing up as expired already i'm like what oh man (laughs) so i basically figured out right at 2050 is when it said that's enough so i think it was part of the actually it might have been 2030 because it was um maybe it was 2030 because i think it was because of the, the 2000 y2k bug they pushed everything back you know 20 years or whatever basically that's why in 2020 a whole bunch of stuff broke a whole bunch of uh you know, PlayStation, Xbox stuff, online gaming stuff, all had all sorts of issues because of the Y2K bug. Um, yeah, it was a cheap hacky way to get around it. And then, yeah, basically, it's affecting it. and it's in the Java itself. I actually got down; it wasn't called Fusion or Lucy. It was actually in the Java stuff that was blowing up. So wow. it was pretty interesting. So side, of, yeah, tangent over. Yeah. But, Dates cause
1: problems for me over in QB all the time as well. QB and quick. Well, I'll have somebody send in something saying, Hey, I like, what was the latest? Oh, I I tried to save this version number, you know, 1.2.3. And all of a sudden I have a date of January 2nd of 1903. And it's like, yeah, uh, (laughs) you gotta be explicit with dates. Unfortunately, it tries to be a little too helpful.
0: Yeah. That's kind of an issue. Uh, okay. Well, apparently, uh, There's a a recap blog post here next on our list after the Russ Michaels CFML developer shutting down. So Terratech, just talking about Lucy Six. And so it was actually announced in 2018's um, CF Camp, but it does give you some more information on it. So Swansea Jack, Jack, and they're usually named after dogs, right? That's where it all came from. So names a lot of times are named after dogs, but so if you want to find out more about you know what we expect from Lucy Six, um, some of the security upgrades, pros and cons of a quarantine mode, which this is interesting. I guess big part of the uh, the security thing is that quarantine mode. Uh, so hmm. we'll have to find out more about that. And yeah, uh, who was Swansea Jack? So yeah, a lot of uh, information that, there.
1: The the quarantine yeah. mode is kind of interesting. It's basically. Um, getting all of your code pre-compiled and only running the code that's uploaded to it. So there's no way to, you know, like upload a CFM file and run it um, like that. So that's a good idea. It's gonna be interesting to see. I remember hearing about this at uh, CF camp last year. And my favorite thing was, uh, well, there was a couple uh, Java interop, like making a, marking a component as implementing a Java interface, which right now you have to do that using create dynamic proxy and it's just kind of an extra layer Mm. that and they were going to bring the startup time to Lucy under like 0.5 seconds Uh, a lot of work getting it ready for serverless deploying or uh, improving the serverless story so I'm excited to see all those things come out I don't think we have any like um, beta or date. it's just kind of this article is just a recap of what we know about Lucy six
0: yep so it was posted recently but yeah, a lot of the data is from the cf camp almost two years ago uh, and then other updates that are being leaked out so a good compilation of everything lucy six that we know of at this time so next we have a throwback so this one is ryan anklem and so he was a uh, popular speaker at uh, CF Objective back in the day and uh, he eventually went to Netflix. Uh, last I heard, I think he was still there, but this is a throwback to when he was a hardcore Fusion developer. See little ColdFusion uh, icons there, he's got the rack next to him and stuff, so pretty interesting. But yeah, but look here, the fat JavaScript book holding up the monitors, definitely not the good <laughs> parts. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so just a little throwback there. So I hope Brian's doing well. Cool. Well, that leads us to our next section, which is find a job. And this week we actually do have a couple of jobs posted. Um, so it looks like they're looking for a full-time Cold Fusion developer at, um, it looks like other countries. So it's freelancer or contractor at remote. So I guess... Um, that was posted on July 1st, and then there was a ColdFusion Fusion developer, freelancer, contractor, remote in India, also posted on July 1st. So two new jobs, were at 47 Cold positions from 35 companies across 23 locations in five countries. So uh, a good number of job postings out there. Um, again, thanks for GetCFMile jobs for you know scraping all those different uh, job sites and bringing us all the the job listings. So if you're looking for work, definitely look there first. Okay. So now on to Forgebox Module of the Week. So this one's the one yeah. what we've been using in CFcast. So you want to tell us a little yeah. bit about this? Yeah,
1: you can read a little bit about it on that article too, but this is the Stripe CFML module by John Bearquist. You can find it up on Forgebox. It's uh, modeled after the Node SDK um, minus the callback hell. <laughs> it... Uh, <laughs> And um, it's just, it's everything you need to talk to Stripe. And we love Stripe, Stripe is amazing. So um, yeah, I I guess the news about this one is it is just rock solid. You know, it does exactly what it needs to do. We haven't had any problems with it, haven't had to go dive into any bugs or anything. Um, So yeah, thank you, John, for saving us hours of writing it ourselves.
0: Yep, and there's a lot of great information on this Forgebox page, too. It's really comprehensive. So, yeah, really good to, to see a nice, uh, solid Stripe implementation. I know that there's quite a few other payment gateways out there, um, but, yeah, that's definitely a, a big winner for a lot of people. And yeah, we I,
1: I refuse to acknowledge any other payment gateway. It's only Stripe.
0: Well, last week we <laughs> talked about a new <laughs> wrapper that was on Forgebox, and it was uh, actually like a, a bit... sort of a bitcoin type uh one so digital currencies and everything so i thought that was interesting but yeah i probably still wouldn't touch it (laughs) (laughs) just because yeah i'm old-fashioned okay so this is an interesting one for our visual studio code hints, tips and tricks of the week this one is github pull requests and issues by github so i never heard of this one. Uh, I saw it fly over the Twitterverse. And so I thought something we should definitely talk about. So it's yeah, got a lot of features.
1: Yeah, and it, it keeps getting updated. Because um, I took a look at this back on at build. And when was that? Is that in March? May? I don't know. Microsoft's free build conference this year. They, they announced this. Um, and it keeps getting better, mostly with some inline viewing like you're seeing on the screen, uh, being able to see a PR inline and all the changes. I've been using this today as I've been um, kind of debugging some stuff. I'll be over in like Quick. I'll find what I need to do, select some text, and there's a nice create issue from selection. And all of a sudden, I have an issue created with a link exactly to the code that I'm trying to reference. So
0: yeah, it's pretty cool that you can just you know add comments and discuss right in there. And it's just you know another feature to make VS Code a little more flexible and powerful. You know. And it's nice too, that if you're in your code, it's easier to see than you know, up on GitHub sometimes. So, so yeah, you can, uh, there's code actions to create issues from your to-do comments as well. So that's kind of neat as well. But yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, so pretty happy with one
1: that. Th- one neat thing with the to-do comment I saw earlier. Um, so yeah, if you put a to-do in your code, it will give you a little uh, pop-up that says, would you like to create an issue for this? And when you do it, we'll paste the link in to the code to-do comment. And then you can just hover over it to see all the details, all the conversation. So
0: that's pretty cool. Yeah. So pretty neat. Um, definitely worth checking out. Um, there's some in- information for configuring the extension as well. Um, and then, yeah, there's information here if you want to actually contribute. So check it out. And pretty cool little hint, tip, and trick of the week there for you. Okay, so that leaves us to our last thing of the week, our Patreon supporters. So again, as we mentioned at the start of the episode, uh, they're funding almost 50% of the costs of creating these podcasts and making them available to you. But they're also, um, you know, support us with our projects like Command Box, Forge Box, cold Box, Content Box, Test Box, and all the other boxes. So if you wanna find out more about uh, supporting orders through Patreon, Go to patreon.com slash solutions uh, Find a package that works for you. And then uh, you might be listed as one of the special people on our Patreon supporter list and get your name mentioned every week. Badly pronounced, but still mentioned.
1: <laughs> Badly pronounced with love.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so is it your turn this week?
1: Let's do it. Thank you to Ben Nadal, Brett DeLine, Carl Van Stetten, Charlie Earhart, Lee, Dan Card, Daniel Garcia, David Bellinger, DJ Lesnicki, Don Bellamy, Eric Hoffman, Gary Knight, Jan Yannick, Jeremy Adams, Jordan Clark, Joseph Lamory, Kai Koenig, Laxma Tetrahati, Matthew Clemente, Mingo Hagen, Ryan Hughes, Scott Steinbeck, Sean Odin, Stephen Klotz, Sinatrix, and Yogesh Mathur.
0: Yeah, thank you everybody uh, who are financially supporting us, the podcast and uh, Audis' products. But also thanks to everyone who commits, uh, you know, code, issues, files issues and those types of things because they all do help, but uh, you don't get your name on the list just for that. So, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Uh, But it's been another great week. Happy July. Hope everyone had a safe and happy uh, 4th of July and uh, avoided most of the illegals uh, fireworks that were going off everywhere. But uh, yeah, everyone have a great week and we'll see you next week. And don't forget to sign up to my workshop this week. We'll see you guys. Have a good one. Bye, everybody. Show notes for this episode can be found at cfmlnews.modernizerdie.io, where you can also subscribe to your favorite podcast player like Spotify or iTunes. We also have the link to YouTube to find more videos just like this. The music used in this podcast is under a royalty free license from sound.com and Blue Tree Audio.